Chapter 49 of Dread, A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dread. Chapter 49. More Violence. Clayton rose the next morning and found his friends much better than he'd expected after the agitation and abuse of the night before. They seemed composed and cheerful. I'm surprised, he said, to see that your wife is able to be up this morning. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, said Father Dixon. How often I have found it so. We have seen times when I and my wife have both been so ill that we scarcely thought we had strength to help ourselves and a child has been taken ill or some other emergency has occurred that called for immediate exertion and we have been to the lord and found strength our way has been hedged up many a time the sea before us and the egyptians behind us but the sea has always opened when we have stretched our hands to the lord i've never sought the lord in vain he has allowed great troubles to come upon us but he always delivers us Clayton recalled the sneering, faithless, brilliant Frank Russell, and compared him in his own mind with the simple, honest man before him. No, he said to himself, human nature is not a humbug, after all. There are some real men, some who will not acquiesce in what is successful, if it be wrong. Clayton was in need of such living examples, for in regard to religion, he was in that position which is occupied by too many young men of high moral sentiment in this country. What he had seen of the worldly policy and time-serving spirit of most of the organized bodies, professing to represent the Christian faith in life, had deepened the shadow of doubt and distrust which persons of strong individuality and discriminating minds are apt to feel in certain stages of their spiritual development great afflictions those which tear up the roots of the soul are often succeeded in the course of the man's history by a period of scepticism the fact is such afflictions are disenchanting powers they give to the soul an earnestness and a power of discrimination which no illusion can withstand they teach us what we need what we must have to rest upon and in consequence thousands of little formalities and empty shows and dry religious conventionalities are scattered by it like chaff the soul rejects them in her indignant anguish and finding so much that is insincere and untrue and unreliable she has sometimes hours of doubting all things clayton saw again in the minister what he had seen in nina a soul swayed by an attachment to an invisible person whose power over it was the power of a personal attachment and who swayed it not by dogmas or commands merely but by the force of a sympathetic emotion beholding as in a glass the divine image of his heavenly friend insensibly to himself the minister was changing into the same image the good and the beautiful to him was an embodied person even jesus his lord what may be your future course said clayton with anxiety will you discontinue your labors in this state i may do so if i find positively that there is no gaining a bearing said father dixon i think we owe it to our state not to give up 
the point without a trial there are those who are willing to hear me willing to make a beginning with me it is true they are poor and unfashionable but still it is my duty not to desert them till i have tried at least whether the laws can't protect me in the exercise of my duty the hearts of all men are in the hands of the lord he turneth them as the rivers of water are turned this evil is a great and a trying one it is gradually lowering the standards of morals in our churches till men know not what spirit they are of i held it my duty not to yield to the violence of the tyrant and bind myself to a promise to leave till i had considered what the will of my master would be i should be sorry said clayton to think that north carolina couldn't protect you i'm sure when the particulars of this are known there will be a general reprobation from all parts of the country you might remove to some other part of the state not cursed by the residence of a man like tom gordon i will confer with my uncle your friend dr cushing and see if some more eligible situation cannot be found where you could prosecute your labors he is at this very time visiting his wife's father and e and i will ride over and talk with him to-day meanwhile said clayton as he rose to depart allow me to leave you with a little contribution to help the cause of religious freedom in which you are engaged and clayton as he shook hands with his friend and his wife left an amount of money with them such as had not crossed their palms for many a day bidding them adieu a ride of a few hours carried him to e where he communicated to dr cushing the incidents of the night before why it's perfectly shocking abominable said dr cushing why what are we coming to my dear young friend this shows the necessity of prayer when the enemy cometh in like a flood the spirit of the lord must lift up a standard against him my dear uncle said clayton rather impatiently it seems to me the lord has lifted up a standard in the person of this very man and people are too cowardly to rally around it well my dear nephew it strikes me you are rather excited said dr cushing good-naturedly excited said clayton i ought to be excited you ought to be excited too here's a good man beginning what you think a necessary reform and who does it in a way perfectly peaceable and lawful who is cloven down under the hoof of a mob and all you can think of doing is to pray to the lord to raise up a standard what would you think if a man's house were on fire and he should sit praying the lord that in his mysterious providence he would put it out oh the cases are not parallel said dr cushing i think they are said clayton our house is the state and our house is on fire by mob law and instead of praying the lord to put it out you ought to go to work and put it out yourself if all your ministers would make a stand against this uncle and do all you can to influence those to whom you are preaching it wouldn't be done again i'm sure i should be glad to do something poor father dixon such a good man as he is but then i think clayton he was rather imprudent it don't do this unadvised way of proceeding we ought to watch against rashness i think we are too apt to be precipitate and not await the leadings of providence poor dixon i tried to caution him the last time i wrote to him to be sure it's no excuse for them but then i'll write to brother barker on the subject and we'll see if we can't get an article in the christian witness i don't think it would be best to allude to these particular circumstances or 
to mention any names but there might be a general article on the importance of maintaining the right of free speech and of course people can apply it for themselves you remind me said clayton of a man who proposed commencing an attack on a shark by throwing a sponge at him but now really uncle i am concerned for the safety of this good man isn't there any church near you to which he can be called i heard him at the camp meeting and i think he is an excellent preacher there are a good many churches said dr cushing which would be glad of him if it were not for the course he pursues on that subject and i really can't feel that he does right to throw away his influence so he might be the means of converting souls if he would only be quiet about this be quiet about fashionable sins said clayton in order to get a chance to convert souls what sort of converts are those who are not willing to hear the truth on every subject i should doubt conversions that can only be accomplished by silence on great practical immoralities but said dr cushing christ and the apostles didn't preach on the abuses of slavery and they alluded to it as an existing institution nor did they preach on the gladiatorial shows said clayton and paul draws many illustrations from them will you take the principle that everything is to be let alone now about which the apostles didn't preach directly i don't want to enter into that discussion now said dr cushing i believe i'll ride over and see brother dixon after all he is a dear good man and i love him i'd like to do something for him if i were not afraid it might be misunderstood toward evening however clayton becoming uneasy at the lonely situation of his clerical friend resolved to ride over and pass the night with him for the sake of protecting him and arming himself with a brace of pistols he proceeded on his ride as the day had been warm he put off his purpose rather late and the darkness overtook him before he had quite accomplished his journey riding deliberately through the woodland path in the vicinity of the swamp he was startled by hearing the tramp of horses hoofs behind him three men mounted on horseback were coming up the headmost of whom riding up quickly behind struck him so heavy a blow with a gutta percha cane as to fell him to the earth in an instant however he was on his feet again and had seized the bridle of his horse who are you said he for by the dim light that remained of the twilight he could perceive that they all wore masks we are men said one of them whose voice clayton did not recognize that know how to deal with fellows who insult gentlemen and then refuse to give them honorable satisfaction and said the second speaker we know how to deal with renegade abolitionists who are covertly undermining our institutions and said clayton coolly you understand how to be cowards for none but cowards would come three to one and strike a man from behind shame on you well gentlemen act your pleasure your first blow has disabled my right arm if you wish my watch and my purse you may help yourselves as cutthroats generally do the stinging contempt which was expressed in these last words seemed to enrage the third man who had not spoken with a brutal oath he raised his cane again and struck at him strike a wounded man who cannot help himself do said clayton show yourself the coward you are you were brave in attacking defenseless women and children and ministers of the gospel this time the blow fell clayton to the earth and tom gordon precipitating himself from the saddle 
proved his eligibility for congress by beating his defenseless acquaintance on the head after the fashion of the chivalry of south carolina but at this moment a violent blow from an unseen hand struck his right arm and it fell broken at his side mad with pain he poured forth volumes of oaths such as our readers have never heard and the paper refuses to receive and a deep voice said from the woods woe to the bloody and deceitful man look for that fellow where is he said tom gordon the crack of a rifle and a bullet which passed right over his head answered from the swamp and the voice which he knew was harry's called from within the thicket tom gordon beware remember hark at the same time another rifle shot came over their heads come come said the other two there's a gang of them well, you'd better be off. You can't do anything with that broken arm there. And helping Tom into the saddle, the three rode away precipitately. Soon as they were gone, Harry and Dredd emerged from the thicket. The latter was reported among the people to have some medical or surgical skill. He raised Clayton up and examined him carefully. He's not dead, he said. What shall we do for him, said Harry? Shall we take him along to the minister's cabin? no no said dread that would only bring the philistines upon him it's full three miles to east said harriet wouldn't do to risk going there no indeed said dread we must take him to our stronghold of engedi even as samson bore the gates of gaza our women shall attend him and when he is recovered we will set him on his journey end of chapter forty nine more violence